Welcome back to another episode of the Offset Podcast, a podcast designed to change the way artists think, move, and feel one listener at a time. So I just want to go ahead and congratulate ourselves. You know, we made it to our third episode so far. So if you're one of our listeners, thank you for sticking with us this long. I know we've been kind of dry as far as how many episodes we're putting out. So I think we're we're okay with once a month right now. Wanted to give everyone a break and enjoy their Thanksgiving for November. So this episode should be hot and ready for the cold of December. Just some life updates with me. You know, it's it's been a pretty busy end of the year. Um, I actually got a professor job out at AMDA College in Los Angeles. So if there's any AMDA alumni out there, you know, drop us a comment, say hello. I teach injury prevention and fitness, or fitness and injury prevention is the actual class title for the uh, freshman dancers there. But yeah, you know, opinions are my own here. Uh, and yeah, also doing some great work with Repair Sports Institute in Huntington Beach. Shout out to their PTs, personal trainers, acupuncturists, and chiropractors out there. We're doing some real great collaborative things over there. So if you're curious about what's happening there, uh, you know, feel free to drop us a message and let us know. So we also wanted to give a shout out to Dance Prehab. You know, Rob was doing some great work on uh, his website and what he's doing as a physical therapist out in Orange County for contemporary dancers and capoeira dancers and uh, performers. So, you know, give them a, a give them a look up on Google, Dance Prehab. Um, and if you haven't seen episode two yet, I would give it a listen to. Got some great pearls of wisdom about the breakdancing culture and how healthcare professionals can help with those uh, specific types of injuries. All right, so welcome to episode three of the Offset Podcast. We have a very, very special guest here today. He is one of my brothers from Common Ground. He has since moved on to so many amazing great things and i'll have him tell you his story and his background but you know let's give it up for mikey hey how's it going aaron um, it's going well man thank thank you um offset for having me yeah yeah um, it's a pleasure to be part of your guys's humble beginnings i appreciate that man thanks for coming out i know it's like we're filming uh today is november 21st so yeah, right before right before thanksgiving yeah. yeah had to give you guys some time so thanks glad thanks. to be here All um right. yeah just to give a little short intro about myself um i went to cal state long beach did my bachelor's in healthcare admin uh decided that actually wasn't the route i technically wanted to follow i actually wanted to work hands-on with the patient <clears throat> and um now i just want to actually pursue pt so right now, um, I'm taking prerequisites for PT school um, at a Fullerton College. Um, I still need to take my GRE, but hopefully I'll get there. It's going to be a long, crazy road, but slowly yeah. getting there. That you are. You're putting in that good work um, and still like finding ways to, to juggle your other passions with it. So much respect to you. So we, we have Mike here on the show today because, uh, you know, not only was he an amazing dancer i mean if you don't know you can always look him up like old uh, underground videos it's, you can find him on youtube um but 
he also does DJing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I pretty much came here to talk about. Um, aside from the whole academia, academics kind of thing, um, I needed to find a different kind of outlet, um, even after dancing, since uh, dancing did play a huge part in my life. Um, after that, I slowly transitioned um, into DJing. Um, I started DJing about two years ago. Okay. Um, took it a little bit more seriously this past year. Uh, I joined Academy of DJs. It's an OC-based DJ school. Did their program for about 15 weeks, and then I decided to come back um, to help teach, actually. So it was a great opportunity for me to continue to grow and to help spread the culture. Nice. Um, as for the DJ school, we pretty much have seasonal classes where we graduate a cohort of like 10 students, um, teach them the fundamentals, teach them the culture, like I said, and we actually throw like a big graduation party for them, which is pretty crazy. It's a, it's a great, it's a great production. Yeah. You guys just, uh, opened up a, a new space, right? In Santa Ana? We did. Yeah. So, um, we have our new space over in Santa Ana. Um, we literally built it from the ground up. We had to paint. We did the floors. It's just, just a lot. Right. Yeah. Get yourself a DJ that can do both build their own facility and play a great mix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, Aside from uh, teaching at the school, um, I'm actually pretty active as a DJ myself, um, doing things like the club circuit, private events, um, weddings, corporate gigs, things like that. Um, but yeah. That's nice, man. All right. We'll just have, I'm going to throw in some like warm up fun questions for you so that our listeners can, you know, get to know you and kind of get a sense of like what your style is. So, uh, yeah, what is your current favorite song to listen to? Oh man, yeah. After you asked me this, I actually had to think a lot about it. But um, I think it definitely depends on my mood. Right now, since it's a lot of uh, like holiday, you know, holiday season, time of giving, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually listening to a lot of more R&B, a lot more nice and relaxed kind of music. Uh, nice song I like is a uh, Post Malone Sway Lee, Sunflower. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be featured in that new Spider-Man movie, so. Oh, shoot. I totally forgot that was coming out. Yeah, rest in peace, Stanley. Yeah, R.I.P. Dope, dope. Um, all right. So it is, the like you said, it is like the holiday season. Um, you know, what do you feel like you're most grateful for right now? Um, like I mentioned earlier, I think one thing I'm pretty grateful for, for is the opportunities that I've been given this past year um, and just the mentors that, are able to help me help others kind of thing. Because um, even though I am a teacher at the Academy of DJs, I still feel like they're helping me become a better teacher and still become a better DJ as well. Yeah, that's gotta be really interesting because it's not like you can go to a college campus and be like, hey, you're a DJ professor, you know? Like, yeah. it's, I don't know how that uh, transfer of knowledge from like, you know, once, I guess, more veteran DJ to like a younger one kind of work. So mm -hmm. that must be pretty cool to surround yourself with that, that type of experience. Yeah. And I mean, we'll talk about it later on, but there are a lot of things outside of just mixing music too, that DJs have to look out for, you know, and that sort of culture. So was it, was it an easy transition for you to uh, kind of go from dance into DJing or was it like, how did you how did you know that you wanted to go this route versus like keep dancing or just focus solely on school? Um, I mean, I knew I wanted to have something else besides school to um, kind of escape. Dancing used to play that part for me, but 
as soon as I transitioned to DJing, the music was still there. So the musicality I could kind of uh, bring on from my dance background. Mm -hmm. um, the community was a little bit different. Um, the dance community is, they were, um, it was pretty a pretty small knit community. Uh, like the OC dance community, I feel like a lot of people knew each other. But the DJ community is just so big. You know, you have like your turntablists, you have like the LA community, um, you got the OC com uh, community. So I feel like a big part is where you put yourself in that community and who you surround yourself with. Yeah, that's, that's pretty important, not just whatever uh, career path you do, but in like in life in general, right? So yeah, man, that's that's so great to hear. I'm I'm so glad to see your your career like take off. You know, I've been watching you uh, ever since you like started Academy of DJs, and then you, it's so fun seeing like, all right, man, Mike Jack is spinning here at this club, at yeah. this venue, at this time. Um, you know, I feel like also Hall of Fame <laughs> probably hypes you up all the time too whenever they, they come through. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I got really lucky just putting myself in the community I did. Um, just having that network at Academy of DJs, you know, knowing previous students like Jonathan, J.L., mm -hmm. Earl, and all of them, um, very welcoming, you know. I feel like a lot of other um, communities, they could have been kind of cutthroat, you know, like, oh, I want all these gigs, or no, I don't want to help you, I don't want to help you get better. But over here, it's they just want to see everyone grow. For sure, for sure, man. Cool, cool. All right, man. Let's go ahead and we'll like we'll just like deep dive into into this. Um, I know a lot of listeners and you know myself included. It seems to be such a, a secret world. You know what is like what is a DJ and like how does even one start to become a DJ? It's like you know it, it, like you did say it's it's a different type of community. You know you and I both coming from the dance community. It was like really easy to be like, I know you, you dance on this team, yeah. I know where to find you, you're probably at the next competition, I'll see you around. Um, what's it What's it like for like, when did you start taking ownership of the title of like, oh, I'm like a DJ now, and what is that lifestyle like? Um, I mean, after I joined Academy of DJs, it kind of gave me an insight on the different routes you can take as a DJ. I mean, some people just joined the Academy just pretty much out of fun, you know, like after they finish, they don't necessarily want to take on gigs, but they want to just keep being a bedroom DJ, kind of just DJing for themselves, digging for music. Mm -hmm. um, other people take the private event route. So they'll want to specialize in weddings, high school dances, things like that. Um, me personally, <clears throat> it's like a mixture of all of it. I feel like I got my feet wet in the different aspects of DJing and um, including club gigs. Gotcha. So you were telling me how you were getting your feet wet with all these different types of events. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on uh, what the usual like setup for these events look like and what you have to do? Yeah, of course. I mean, to start off uh, for the private events, things like weddings or corporate events, um, unless you do have a tech or strike team, you pretty much have to do all the equipment set up by yourself. So that means... Yeah, so it's it gets pretty crazy depending on how big the venue is and how big the actual um, event is. Um, you kind of have to gauge off how many speakers you need, like if you need a subwoofer, um, you need things like wireless mics. Um, <clears throat> what else? I mean, of course, you need your DJ table. You need all the correct power outlets, all the um, 
all the wires and everything necessary. So it does take that extra knowledge to help you get set up correctly so music can play. Gotcha. So if you don't have a team with you, assuming like, do you have like, like 50 pounds, 100 pounds of equipment you have to lug around even more? Uh, I think even more. I mean, I think one 12 inch speaker is about like 70 pounds. Whoa. Yeah. So a couple multiple trips or if you have like a dolly or some sort of cart that you can lug around. Okay, so there's there's definitely still a physicality with <laughs> exactly. So, with the like I don't know, I feel like with a wedding event or even just like a, a club event, I feel like people have these common assumptions or perceptions of like what a DJ does. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, prior to probably prior to me learning about you and like JL doing like the stuff that you do with Academy DJs, I just would have thought if you were going to be a DJ, then all you need to do is like, I don't know, have two turntables and just like mess around with it. And then like, boom, you put some good music to together. It's probably a lot more than that, huh? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, <clears throat> to start off like with weddings, um, it does take a lot of prep time before. Um, you do need to meet up with clients, um, kind of go through their timeline, things like that. If they have a special edits, like for example, their first dance or for the mother-son dance or the uh, father-daughter dance, things like that. Um, if they have a special request, like if they want to show a slideshow during the event or if they have someone who's going to sing karaoke, things like that. Um, it's all about kind of gauging with the event coordinator, seeing where you are in the timeline and um, really adjusting because, you know, last minute things can happen things get backed up, things get pushed forward, things get moved around. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, wedding events can be long too. So you're probably like standing for a long time and like, then you got to like move all your equipment at the end of the night. Yeah, I mean, not just standing for a long time, but I mean, I have to dress up too, you know, so I'll have to wear my dress shirt, button up, um, tie, dress shoes, slacks, all that. and yeah, it, if it if it's outside, then and if it's hot, you know, start sweating. Yeah, darn. <laughs> How does that uh, different from? It's probably well, I mean, there's probably a lot of difference from what you do at like the private events, like kind of weddings and corporations, to the kind of club events that you do, right? Yeah. Do you have like a preference right now? Um, well, the money's with the weddings, of course, yeah. but I feel like club gigs are a lot more fun. Um, it's a lot less stressful, and um, I don't have to play too long. Usually, club club gigs, um, your slot is about an hour to an hour and a half mm-hmm. compared to the whole day wedding. That's true. Yeah. What's it like working in a, in a club event? Because I'm assuming that you, you would get to use the venue's like speaker system. Right? Exactly. So you don't got to you know, move your equipment around. Um, setup time is shorter? It's a lot shorter. Um, that's the one thing I like about clubs. Um, you pretty much just need to take your laptop, headphones, and then if you want your laptop stand, then you have to take that. Um, all the equipment is usually provided in-house, same with the speakers. So um, setup time is a lot shorter, but uh, I usually try to get there a little bit earlier just to get a feel of how the night is going so far and to see what the DJ before me is playing, which is super important. Oh, yeah. I was like, I didn't think that mattered, but yeah, great. So... I'm guessing the the DJ before you like are you just trying not not to play the same music or yeah it? exactly I mean you don't want to 
you don't want to repeat um, the same songs that they already played. Hmm. So what I'll do, I'll have my laptop open, I'll have my DJ program open, um, and then if they do play a song, I'll usually mark it as red, like the color red, or um, I'll just delete it from my crate, from my playlist, pretty much. Gotcha. What kind of software are you using? Or, I mean, how are you organizing all this? Uh, Serato, Serato DJ. Yeah, that is like the industry standard right now. Okay. Um, it's very user-friendly, and um, it pretty much works like iTunes. You can make your own playlists. You can sort by like title, sort by BPM, which is really nice. Um, and yeah. Do you have to invest in like special headphones to hear the music a, ty- a type of way? Like, is there is there a certain like hearing or kind of quality for you to become a DJ? Like- um, I think it's upon preference, but my teachers and I even say the same thing. I actually really like over over ear headphones. Um, it kind of cancels cancels out the surrounding noise, so you can really focus on what's playing from your laptop or from the speakers. So um, what is it called? Over ear your headphones? Over ear. Yeah. So it pretty much covers your whole ear as opposed to just oh, on the ear. That makes sense. Yeah. Sorry. I wasn't familiar with the terminology. All right. Cool. That's good to know. Um, so I feel like, you know, as a, you know, being a dancer that when you do like club events, that's probably like the most fun one too, right? Yes. Um, but then I also know that like, Sometimes going to the club can be, I don't know, can be pretty stressful yeah, as far hectic. as like hectic yeah. and noise is like crazy loud in there. Um, yeah, how? what's like the setting like? Because that's like your work setting, man. It's like where you go to work. No, like, yeah, literally. I mean, even for the noise level, um, a lot of the things you have to watch out for, um, there's like the main sound system that the club goers can hear. And then you have your booths or your monitors. Those are pretty much designated speakers that um, the DJ uh, listens to in his booth. And then you have your headphones. So there's like three different sets of... Oh my gosh. Exactly. How does it... I mean, how would you describe that experience to someone who's never been up there in the booth? I mean, it's it does get pretty hectic, but I think you have to really know what is what. I mean, for the main sound system, you do hear it but it can be a little bit lagged or it can be a little bit further than where you are. So you won't hear the music right away, which is why it's really important to use your headphones because mm-hmm. headphones, it's a direct connection to your ear and it's real time um, of what's playing. So you need, you want to kind of gauge off of that as opposed to relying on the club sound system. Mm-hmm. And then for the booth monitors, um, you want to adjust the level for that also. Um, you don't want it to be too loud. You don't want it to be too soft as well. So, Actually, There's a lot of attention to detail for all this. Mm-hmm. Man, so we got the noise. Uh, has anyone ever put a, I don't know, fog machine in your booth or something it's crazy like that? Sometimes there is. I mean, for special events, um, for Halloween, we had one. So. Mm, okay. Yeah, I don't, there's just something about me walking into a room full of uh, kind of fake fog that makes my lungs kind of irritated. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anyone that's uh, I don't know that's that actually has become a problem for like say they have, like had asthma or something like that? Uh, not that I hear of honestly, but I'm sure there are a lot of attendees who complain about it. Probably, so. yeah. Crazy stuff, man. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure like every club venue you you go to, the setup's gonna be a little bit different on how they house you guys and 
um, what the lighting situation is like. Um, how does that does that ever bother you with like you trying to look at your laptop and the lights are set up in a funny way or onto the crowd? Like how you? Because I know you talked about gauging the crowd exactly. last time we talked too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for lighting, um, the main problem I would see is pretty much when you're setting up. Because you got to connect your um, your laptop to the main mixer, and then you got to find the right cords to use. But as you're DJing, there isn't too much light. You have to rely on your keyboard or your laptop light, or the light from the mixer or the uh, turntables. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So like the your space isn't always like the clearest to exactly. see. Exactly. Yeah. So I think one good thing is just to prepare yourself for that kind of environment. Like when you're practicing at home, I usually try not to practice and direct light you know you want to kind of simulate how the club would be interesting yeah wow so to kind of take us through if you're gonna like practice for a set or i guess like how many uh kind of take us through how you would practice for a set um and like you know what's what is the training hours what are the practice hours look like how do you lead up into a big event um I think the first thing to do is know what kind of event you're playing for. Um, from there, um, kind of gather your music that way. For example, if I'm going to play at a wedding, I'm not going to play, you know, songs with bad words and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to play kid-friendly music, nice dance music. Um, but on the other hand, if I'm at a club, I have to pick the most ratchet song. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. You gotta, you gotta hype up the crowd. Exactly. Um, And then just knowing where you are in the lineup, kind of like how I explained before, um, if you're pretty early on in the night, you don't want to play the really popular songs quite yet. You want to save that for the headliner or the person that goes on around midnight. Mm. Um, There's a system to it. Exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, if you get the crowd too pumped up and too energized, um, all their energy will be drained as soon as the headliner comes on. And it does, I mean, you think you did a good job, but actually you made them look bad and you kind of messed up the flow of the night. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's some greater impacts than I would have uh, anticipated. So, I mean, like overall, you know, you've been doing this for how many years already? Two years, actually. Two years. Yeah. Um, To be honest, I, I still see myself doing it. I feel like there's a lot more room for me to improve. And I feel like there's a lot more opportunity for me to teach others because I feel like education is just being able to teach someone is very satisfying for me personally. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I actually enjoy the hours that are pretty much set for DJs because we pretty much, if I'm doing a club Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, um, if it's a wedding, it's usually weekends. Mm -hmm. So it really doesn't interfere with my weekdays, which I really like. That is pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. What kind of student do you usually get that like wants to be a DJ? Do you feel like it's a certain type of like stereotype or attribute that a person has that like you commonly see or do you feel like it's all different people? Um, I feel like it's a lot of different people. Um, for my seasonal classes, um, we will get a lot of younger people, a lot of college students who are looking for something new to do, something to be involved in. Um, but a lot of the private students, I've actually had a couple people who are fathers like people who are older already wow yeah very cool props to them yeah they Learned just want a new. new exactly something new cool cool yeah you know you've been in the scene for two years 
you've, you know, like I said, kind of done different types of venues and live that like DJing lifestyle on top of, you know, being like a student as well. Uh, how do you think that, you know, for those who start off with DJing at like a younger age and, you know, the ones that you've seen that have continued to do with it, um, you know, what is their kind of, I guess, health concerns like, you know, we talked about how the club may not always be like the best environment, especially if that's where they're booking the most gigs. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've, like you said, the hours are pretty late too. They are. I mean, I think that's one um, big thing too. Um, it just shifts around your sleep schedule. So if you do stay the whole night at the club, club usually closes at 2 a.m. on the weekends. So, I mean, you're not, you're talking about getting home around like 3 or 4 a.m. around there. Um, other than that, I think the environment, um, in regards to the noise, plays a big part also. Um, if you have the monitors close to you turned up all the way, just because um, it feels, well, I feel like it feels a lot more energized when that booth monitors put up more. So I'll do it anyways. But it's pretty bad for the ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I just started using um, earplugs. Nice. Yeah, so when I'm not DJing, have those on. The music sounds a little bit different, but it still sounds good. And I think I'd rather protect my eardrums as opposed to develop anything. Yeah. Have you or like any other friend or friends that do DJing like ever get like ringing in your ears after like the end of a night or like? Yes. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, very bad. Um, a lot of the teachers I work with right now, a lot of them, they're hearing it's not bad, but it's not as good as it could be. So just overexposure to loud music consistently, like two to three times a week. Yeah. We'll do it to you. You know, that just sounds so similar to the uh, musicians I used to treat, you know, and if you're like playing in a big concert hall or rehearsal hall, and you've got like the brass section behind you, you got the drum line in front of you. It's just one big, you know, symphonous, you know, noise level that kind of surrounds the whole room. And yeah, your ears definitely take a beating, especially if you're there for even just like an hour, hour and a half too, huh? Yeah. Man, dope, dope. I mean, how have you been able to kind of reset your body, you know, and, and keep up with this kind of lifestyle? Like what are some things that you do? Um, I think one thing is take, taking a break from loud music, of course, giving your ears a break from that. Um, I think another thing is just kind of feeling how your body is um, the day after and then seeing if you need to do like some sort of stretches. Because, I mean, it sounds really weird to, to some people that they need a stretch after they DJ, but standing there for long times, um, moving your arms a lot, you know, you kind of get shoulder, not shoulder pain, but your shoulder does get fatigued a lot. Mm -hmm. in my experience at least man that's gotta be tough i mean have you ever heard a dj being out of commission from just like feeling too sore after a night or before not really but i've heard of um a lot of people for example will have like scratch uh sessions or scratch sessions yeah like uh like scratching on a turntable oh kind of okay thing. yeah 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 so i mean a lot of them, a lot of the people will get tired after a couple rounds just because their shoulder starts to hurt or their back starts to bug them too from just, I guess, not bracing their core. How long is each scratch session then? Like, what would you say, like, a round would go for? Honestly, it, it depends. Sometimes it can go on for hours because people are just too into it. They 
vibe off of each other. They kind of learn new techniques from each other. So it just keeps the creativity going. Gotcha. Gotcha. Man, that must be like a pretty interesting uh, environment to be in too. It's almost like, uh, like, is it like a freestyle session for like dance? Exactly. It pretty much is because um, everyone has the same beat, but it's how you interpret that beat, how you put together your combos, your different techniques to make you sound um, unique. So. Okay, cool, cool. So going back to the uh, what you were saying earlier about the scratch sessions and you know how they can go on for hours uh, at a time and as a DJ you can get really sore shoulders you know maybe fingers hands wrists forearms too um, you know how do you combat that and how do you promote a really long healthy and you know vibrant career as a DJ um, I think it's a lot of um, things you do beforehand. Um, sounds kind of strange, but I personally do stretching before um, I go on to DJ. Um, I stretch out my forearms. I'll stretch out my shoulders. I'll just try to make myself more mobile because I know I'll be standing for a minimum of, of an hour and I don't want to be in that same position the whole time. So I want to stay pretty mobile. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you feel like, you know, DJs as like, a culture embrace that type of like stretching maybe i should do warm-ups before a set like physical warm-ups not just like you know yeah warm-ups of their own music like what do you think um i think it hasn't been um, something that a lot of djs have paid attention to i feel like when they think of djing they think okay i'll just go into it kind of thing and sometimes it works for a lot of people but sometimes some people do need that extra care for their body to um help them the next day or during the performance too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, you know, what, like you said, like you do, you know, you stretch your forearms, you know, you do all that stuff. Do you feel like it's kind of been influenced as, you know, your own personal interest to go into being a, a physical therapist too? Or do you think that's like, oh, like that's what your net body naturally like craved after standing? <laughs> no, I think it was... Um, a matter of me trying to combine um, two things, you know, because my interest in PT and my interest in DJing, I kind of wanted to see how they relate. So I thought it was pretty cool to um, incorporate, you know, those kind of warm ups, those kind of stretches, things like that, um, and to see how it would affect me and how it would benefit me. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Do you do uh, any type of like conditioning on your own too? Like even just for general health or um, or do you do like specific conditioning just to get your fingers, wrists, hands, shoulders ready just to spin for a while? Um, uh, in regards to the DJing part, I mean, I'll practice scratching at certain tempos and then I'll try to increase the tempo. So I pretty much go a lot faster um, and to see how that helps my endurance, things like that. Um, and then just for general conditioning, I mean, I do condition on my own, but I don't, I feel like I just don't do it for DJing. I just do it just for my personal health. Yeah. Um, when you were talking about, you know, scratching for tempo, what's like a, what's a good like starting tempo or I guess like what someone, so our listeners can like reference, like how fast are your hands kind of moving? Um, well, we'll start at a pretty low tempo. So maybe like 80 BPM. I don't know if you can really demonstrate that somehow. just just look it up 80 bpm right see how fast that tempo is 
Yeah. Um, and then we'll work our way up to 90 to 100 BPM. 100 BPM to 90 BPM, that's pretty much the normal range for kind of like mainstream hip hop. A lot of the hip hop songs out there are 90 to 100. Uh, once you go to like 110, 120, you start to get into more bouncy, kind of groovy uh, type of music, but your hands have to keep up with that. So it's a lot of repetitive motion. Gotcha. How important is, uh, I guess, body mechanics and ergonomics in DJing? Because, you know, if you were to work a, a desk job, you know, you could have somebody be like, you know, your chair isn't high enough, your desk, uh, your your desktop or display screen is in the right place for your face. Does it kind of have the same thing in, in DJs too with how your laptops are placed or turntables are placed? Yeah, I mean, it's something that not a lot of DJs have actually really looked into, but it's something that really caught my attention. Um, just as simple as how tall your table is. Um, if it's too low, um, it puts your arm in an awkward position when you're trying to scratch or when you're trying to mix on your uh, turntables and mixer. Um, if it's too high, I mean, you might have to go on your tippy toes to see the setup. You might have to start shrugging your shoulder to keep your arm up. So it's a lot of things like that. Um, you also have to keep in mind about how tall your laptop stand is. Um, you know, if you don't want it too high, if it's too high, you're going to start to extend your neck too much. Uh, it's, if it's too low, you're going to start to slouch. Mm -hmm. So simple things like that, that I see a lot of DJs, um, I guess, suffer from, or I see a lot of them demonstrate it. Um, and just continued use down the road, it might not be too good for them. Gotcha. Would you say most DJs uh, kind of just do this for, like, this is, like, my fun type of thing to do? Or do you think they take it as, like, this is my full-time thing, I'm trying to be the best DJ there is, I'm going to be real competitive about it? Uh, I've seen both. Definitely seen both. Um, there, are, there are a lot of people I know that... Um, have DJing as their main source of income. These people will be DJing <clears throat> three, four times a week, maybe even more, um, going on tours with people or doing things on the side, like making mixes for a certain team, like dance teams, mm -hmm. something that I use that I used to do also. Um, but there are some people too um, that see it as mainly a hobby and just a way to express themselves and to get people together, get people to vibe. That's awesome, man. That's great. What would be some of the tips you would give to, I guess, a young kind of DJ that's trying to like learn and, and get better at this? Because if they're going to be practicing, they'll probably be doing their own practice for like hours too. Yeah, I think it's one main thing is um, <clears throat> learn the basics, just like any other sort of art form out there. Um, start with the foundation, because once you build a solid foundation, you can build your skills off of there. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people will try to move on to a lot more advanced techniques um, right away, and they might understand it, but once you get, get them back to doing the basics, they start to fall apart. So I think it's just taking one step at a time and not rushing it, because you don't become a good DJ overnight. <clears throat> it takes a lot of commitment, a lot of trial and error, a lot of successes and failure too. Mm -hmm. Are there certain words that you feel are 
I guess only if you're in the DJ scene or culture, like you would know. Um, some sort of like sayings. Yeah, because like I didn't know what scratch sessions meant until oh, like you yeah. started saying it. And I was just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean some some things like oh he's burning a song, so if it, he, you're burning a song, it means that he played it too early. And then you were supposed to save it for the later DJ, kind of uh, what I was explaining oh, earlier. Okay, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. Um, off the top of, I mean, there are a couple other like when you ha- when you do hamster style scratching. Hamster style scratching. What is that? Yeah, it's just where the <clears throat> crossfader is set opposite. So when it's actually supposed to be playing the right deck, it plays the left deck. And some people actually really like scratching like that. It's kind of hard to explain. I would have to kind of. Show you, or you, you probably have to look it up on YouTube. That's true. What would they have to like look up? Because I know what a, a a crossfader is because I've seen you know your actual a mix or mixer. Uh, I've seen your actual mixer, but I mean, what can you like break down just real quick? What the anatomy of like a mixer would look like, and what like certain things are called, and what they do. Yeah. Well, pretty much <clears throat> to start off, you have your left and right deck. Um, left deck plays one song. The right deck plays another song. You, of course, have your start and stop buttons on there. Um, for the mixer, you have the crossfader, like I was saying. Um, if it's set in the middle, you're going to hear both songs. If it's set all the way to the left and it's closed, um, you're only going to hear the left side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's on the right or if it's closed to the right, you only hear the right side kind of thing. Um, you have your crossfaders. You also have your upfaders. The upfaders are pretty much the volume of each song. So you can have one song at 100% while the other songs around like 50 to 70%, things like that, kind of matching the levels to see where you like it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your EQs. EQs are the three knobs that um, <clears throat> isolate the three parts of a song or of a track. So the lows, of course, are like the basses, the lower noises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the deeper noises. You have your mids, which are pretty much the vocals. And then you have your highs, which are like snares, hi-hats, mm-hmm. things like that. Dope, man. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty informational to know. For yourself personally, like, how do you prepare for a show? What were some, like, things that you do, like, after a show to make sure you got to bounce back quicker? So you got, like, a Friday night gig and, like, a Saturday night gig, um, you know, things like that. Um, I think if it's a back-to-back gig, Friday and Saturday... I'll take the week prior to prepare two two different playlists, and then um, I'll kind of take note to see what worked on Friday, and then bring it over to Saturday if it's the same type of venue. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll see what didn't work with the crowd and things like that, which is really important. Just reading the crowd, super important. Um, and then I'll also just make sure I eat eat enough food. <laughs> I make sure I eat uh, go to the restroom too because. Once you're once you start DJing, there's no bathroom break, pretty Ooh, much. Yeah, you gotta have some like strong bladder control too. Mm-hmm. All right, that's crazy, man. Um, yeah, how would you say you would recover from like a super long night? Just eat more food, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's like late night taco, like truck. Yeah, yeah, raising canes. Raising canes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, other than that, I mean, just kind of like to just relax and i like to personally reflect on how the night went um what could have gone better um taking mental notes um on the dj program itself there's a way where you can search your history and then you can see what you played um that night pretty much 
So what I'll do, I'll make that a playlist because you can make a playlist from that. And then I'll kind of remember like, oh, did this song, did this song, how did the crowd like that? Did it work? Did it not work? Is there a song that could I repl- that I could replace to make it better mm-hmm. kind of thing? So it's a lot of like trial and error and it's a lot of constant revision and improvement of your set. That makes sense, man. It sounds like you're, um, you know, you're pretty adept at like just learning from each and every time you like go out there and like give out your best performance. Um, how do you feel that, cause like being in the club scene, being in the hip hop scene, you know, we do know for a fact that, you know, there's going to be alcohol, there's going to be drugs, there's mm-hmm. going to be all those like, you know, things that kind of like keep up the party going, so yeah, to speak. Definitely. Uh, does that influence you as, uh, as being part of a DJ and being in that culture too? Or, or do you like personally like not partake in any of that? Um, there are a lot of opportunities where it, it does get presented to me, but personally when I DJ, I like to be straight edge, completely sober, you know, cause is that I, the norm? Or? Um, no, it actually isn't. But personally, just for me, I feel like I'm not at that level where I can just kind of like not take it as a joke or anything like that, but to take it less seriously. Um, there are a lot of DJs out there that do drink or they do whatever and they do put on a good show but I feel like I'm personally not at that level yet to do that. So I want to make sure I'm focused. Yeah. I forgot who I was listening to um, about performing, especially at like live events, is that you know sometimes you, uh, you get so hyped, you get so into trying to put your best self out there, and then once you get off that stage or once your like, lineup is done, that you're like still riding this high, and it's not until like, you try to go to bed like four or five a.m. later that you're just like almost still on this high and you can't sleep and it just like throws everything off and then the next day you just like feel like crap you know yeah i've gotten those feelings um before too i think it's one thing is just vibing with the crowd and when they vibe off of you i think that's where that high comes from being able to move the crowd and control the crowd is just amazing it's like you make them feel a certain way or you kind of make their night really fun yeah Yeah. how do you deal with like or the lows or or trying to get back down after you know going up i feel like that can also be a a pretty difficult challenge too um it is um i think i'm at that point though where i'm pretty exhausted by the end of the night too so i think my exhaustion um takes over that high so end up falling asleep still so yeah makes sense yeah cool what do you think medical professionals can learn when working with DJs? I feel like because they live in this own kind of culture and world that it's kind of hard to be like, you know, you shouldn't be staying up so late. Like, why are you listening to loud music? Mm-hmm. Why don't you go get a real job? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think there's still some uncertainty between the medical professional and the DJ lifestyle. So I think that's something that still needs to be shed. That light needs to be shed upon these coming years, things like that. But I think it just takes small steps of just passing on the information and sharing the knowledge, sharing the culture to get it to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like, you know, 
even DJs themselves may not see their what they're doing as like extremely physical either because mm-hmm. like you're standing there using your arms you're mixing and you know those i feel like those that are in better shape already when they get into it probably don't feel it as much mm-hmm. as opposed to like i know someone that may already had like i don't know a, a shoulder injury in their past before they got started mm-hmm. djing or maybe someone who hasn't isn't used to standing and like spinning for a long time yeah i think that's one thing that um medical professionals can help them with like for example if they know their patient wants to dj or they want to continue djing after some sort of injury um how do they get them to do that and i guess um centralizing their plan of care toward that like all right i'm gonna get i'm gonna get you really good shoulder mobility or i'm gonna get you pretty good endurance and like have you stand up for a really long time things like that sounds sounds really far-fetched right now but it's an idea yeah no i I think it's great um you know hopefully that you know if it's djing is what you want to do and that's what makes you happy and gives you that voice to express yourself then you know the moment where that doesn't happen you know i can see how it just it would crush you you know Mm -hmm. because like you said you're trying to live up that energy to, you know vibe off the energy from you know being in a large audience and crowd put on a good show it's your craft i mean i see you working on your craft all the time so it's it's pretty it's very fun to to watch at least from a spectator's point of view mm-hmm. so yeah man uh i guess a couple final questions for you uh how do you want to impact you know the the current culture of, of djs um for quite some time i mean i think i want to have that connection um between healthcare and djing and just the performing arts in general mm-hmm. um i think what i was saying um when i become a pt um i want to provide those kind of services um to djs or other i guess artists things like that and then just be the voice and because I've been in that, I've been in that, I've been in their shoes, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, other than other than that, I feel like I just want to continue to spread the knowledge, spread the culture, spread the positivity too. Because, um, <clears throat> like I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of the the older generation of DJs, um, a lot of them may not be as welcoming. But if we want this culture to keep on growing, we have to welcome new people in, teach them the right ways and let them know if they're, if they're doing wrong, things like that. Gotcha, man. Those are good words to live by. You know, Mikey's out here trying to, uh, really create a positive impact in this community. And there's really, I feel like there's so much growth in that area for people that have the background experience and then, you know, learn, a a new trade and skill to kind of inject into that culture and make it better, so to speak. Um, so yeah, man, thanks for, thanks for sharing your, your experiences and expertise on the show. Uh, if our listeners wanted to connect with you, maybe even find you, listen to some of your music, <laughs> like what, well, where can they, where can they go? Um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find me, um, at Mike check, M I K E, C H E C 
KK. So there's two Ks at the end. Um, I'm also on SoundCloud as Mic Check as well. So I have some of my mixes on there. Uh, not any produced stuff, but a couple of mixes I put together, good for car rides or gym workout sessions. That's cool. Well, you guys heard it here first. If you guys need a a, a DJ at your at your event, you can hit up Mike Check. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Mikey. Like I appreciate you so much for you know volunteering your time tonight, and I think our listeners can you know get a lot of great stuff from the conversation we just had. Yeah, thanks for having me, Aaron. Thanks, Dylan. And uh, thank you, Offset. Um, I know not everyone that's listening might not want to DJ, but I hope you guys got something from my perspective of it and um, just trying to relate it to your hobbies. I think that's really important. Awesome. Great, great. Thank you, man. All right. Hello, Offset listeners. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Offset Podcast. If you are an artist, entertainer, and or performer, or know someone who is perfect for the show, let us know. We are always looking to add more guest speakers, connect with our audience, and develop this podcast to the needs of our listeners. Don't forget, you can contact us at offsetmed at gmail.com. Follow and DM us on Instagram at offset.med and like our Facebook page. Please continue to support our mission by listening and subscribing to the Offset Podcast. If you have the Anchor app, leave us an audio message. Together, we can change how we perform on set by developing ourselves offset. Looking forward to having you with us on our next show.